Hello, hello everyone. Uh, we are back at Win-Win Situation. I am Tony Wynn, and today we're gonna talk about communication, uh, primarily sign language. And uh, today I've got two guests on the show uh, from the Associates in Sign Language, which was founded in 2005 by Cindy Lear and Rebecca Blitch. Welcome to the show, guys. Thanks, Tony. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. Um, can you guys tell me a little bit of uh, um, the, the origins of ASL? Sure, I'll, I'll start. Um, in 2004, Rebecca and I had both uh, moved here from other places and we were surprised that there was not a service that existed in Springfield where a company that needed a sign language interpreter could contact one phone number and be able to secure a sign language interpreter. For example, if a hospital wanted to call, um, they would have to go down a list of about 20 different interpreters, uh, calling each person to see if they would be available uh, for a Wednesday at 10 o'clock appointment. And uh, so the two of us uh, decided that, uh, that we would strike out um, on this journey and are surprised after 16 years that we are still uh, going strong and moving forward and have uh, gone from just the two of us interpreting, which is how it started, to about 25 people, 25 to 30 people at any given time that work uh, for us in our regional area. Gotcha. And so what, what are your individual roles, Lynn? Um, as, as, as founders of the company, we initially did everything uh, from answering the phone, to scheduling, to going and interpreting, uh, to securing then other interpreters, to getting out and uh, developing new customer relationships with hospitals, schools, uh, entertainment, uh, places in Branson, um, all the way from um, Springfield to our state lines, either direction. So uh, we, um, over time, added new interpreters that we brought on with us. And um, eventually we were able to hire um, someone to do the full-time answering the phone and scheduling. Great. Um, so I understand there's different, uh, different sign languages. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Because uh, I notice it's the American Sign Language and there's the British and all these other ones. Well, what, what's the difference? How does that work? Right. So that's something that people might misunderstand or that's a myth that sign language is universal. It's not. So typically each country has their own signed language. Um, there is international sign language, which is something that you learn to do so that when you go to another country, you can still communicate, but it's not purely American Sign Language or purely their sign language. It's a mix and uh, an international language that people use. Um, we also have regional differences within the United States as well. So people who live out West sign some things differently than we do here. So um, those things are all things you try to keep up on and learn and keep up with your continuing education to stay abreast of the changes and the regional differences. Gotcha. Um, so in terms of, um, I mean, 
are there similarities then between all the different languages or is it just just like any uh, spoken language I suppose that it, it some some have uh, similarities and some are completely different in terms of uh, communication and it's vocabulary probably both so there are there will be some things that you can figure out but there will be some that are totally different and you'll have no clue what it is so yeah a little bit of both <laughs> I like to use the example of um, in I think it's in uh, Chinese sign language you have uh, hello like this mm -hmm. hello and we say hello like this oh. and I think it's kind of cute it looks like two people kind of bowing hello oh yeah yeah that makes sense I, and, and I don't know many signs in other languages but uh, just one example yeah great so um, in terms of uh, becoming an interpreter um, and for your, yourselves in, in hiring an interpreter, like what, what, what kind of traits do you look for? Or what, uh, what are the prereqs to, to uh, be a, in, in, an interpreter? Well, first I think you have to look at whether someone has the skill level. And we, uh, we are looking for people that have a license in, in the state of Missouri and people that are also certified in the state of Missouri, which means that they have met uh, qualifications that the state has uh, has put out that that allows them to have the certification and, and a licensure so that's very important for for our company um, and so once you find out that a person is skilled then we want to be able to uh, make sure that they are very professional in their clothing and showing up on time being very reliable um, and that they have a certain level of flexibility. The services that we provide encompass a real wide variety of situations from court situations to medical situations and entertainment situations. Mm -hmm. So a person has to be able to be very flexible in their language and in their skill level to be able to meet the demands, not only of the situation, but also the the given language um, of the person. So you might have a deaf person who is uh, a PhD level person or even a physician that is deaf and uses sign language. And you may have someone who has cognitive difficulties. And so an interpreter has to be able to match any given person's communication needs, mm -hmm. but also match any uh, given person who's a hearing person is what deaf people call us. Um, they have to be able to match that person's communication level. So it's a little bit more complicated, I think, than what it what it seems. Sure, yeah. Um, in, in terms of, uh, I suppose, your, your clients or your customers, like who who are, are uh, who's hiring you? Because I mean, I, I obviously have seen interpreters uh, in, in terms of uh, like press meetings and things like that. Uh, who, who else are you guys working with? I would, I would say that we have about 150 customers or more. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's just about at any given time. So there, there are people that maybe have an employee that is deaf and they're having staff meetings and they would, be, they would hire an interpreter to come in maybe for their monthly staff meetings. Or they have a person who shows up, the hospital has somebody who shows up in an emergency room. And so we would obviously 
um, be called by the hospital and be paid for by the hospital. The Americans with Disabilities Act uh, specifically gave uh, guidance to uh, companies that they were responsible to provide access and communication. And so it, it then behooves the company or hospital or whomever to hire the interpreter. It's not the deaf person who's hiring the deaf, who's hiring the interpreter. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Uh, Rebecca, what's your opinion on uh, how important is communication? Well, you know, I guess I would put it like this. Imagine you went to another country and got very sick and had to go to the hospital and you didn't speak their language. How important would it be to you? I mean, that's kind of how it is for deaf people every day. Um, I think another myth, myth about interpreting in sign language is that deaf people should be able to read our lips, but only 30% of the English language is visible on the lips. The rest of it's further back in our, our anatomy. And so it's impossible to see. Um, and so it's vitally important. It's, and we're there for both parties, the hearing person, the provider, and the deaf person equally as much. And so that doctor wants to provide the best care. That's their oath that they took. And the deaf person definitely wants to be able to express themselves completely. And so that's why it's so important for us to be there. You mentioned lip reading and everything. Is that a part of the, the, the schooling of, of sign language or is it primarily just the actual, uh, um, uh, is that a part of the process of learning? It is part of the process sometimes. Again, matching our deaf consumer is what's important to us. And we have some deaf people who rely heavily on the English language on the lips. We have others that do not really at all. And part of American Sign Language, the grammatical features are on the face and with facial expressions. And that's why you probably have seen in the newspapers or on TV or on Facebook, they'll show pictures of interpreters going like this. And it looks, you know, something really that looks silly and you're like, why are they sticking their tongue out? All of those things are actual grammatical processes in the sign language. Hmm. And so uh, I think that's another thing, hearing people like, wow, they look like they're doing something crazy up there, but it's really part of the language and it's a beautiful language. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, have, I have a funny story to tell you, Tony. Yeah. Um, one time Rebecca and I were interpreting for a class uh, at Missouri State class um, that was being held remotely and for for a, um, an individual who's very bright and um, so we were on video every Monday was a Friday and we had no idea that the screen that they were showing uh, the interpreter on was like 60 inches and so uh, you could see Every, everything, you know, every strange movement. And from time to time, the screen, it wasn't the best quality at that time because it would have been 10 years ago or so before we had all of this advanced technology, but you would freeze. So we would freeze in positions like, or you know, <laughs> strange, strange things, but we had no idea that we were frozen like that. And, and really this went on, the whole semester and finally the our our deaf client said did you know that the whole class would be laughing at how crazy the two of you looked <laughs> <laughs> said I, no I ha i'm glad i had no idea 
would have been mortified. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess it would take a lot, uh, a lot of confidence to be able to do what you guys do, obviously, because you're speaking in front of a lot of people uh, at, a, at a lot of times. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about uh, the general public and um, sort of the things that people don't know about uh, what you guys do. Are, are there any uh, negative emotional or physical stress that you guys go through that the general public would have no idea that, uh, you know, comes a part of your, your job? I think one of the things that I think of first of all is typically the professional standard for our industry is if any assignment is more than two hours in length, we require two interpreters because the language itself is not only the physical language that you see, but the processing of simultaneously taking in information and putting, you know, changing it in your mind into this second language and putting it out physically on your hands is a very labor intensive mentally and physically. And so typically when it's a longer period of time, like an all day orientation for work or a conference or what have you, we'll have two interpreters that will take turns every 20 minutes or so. And, um, while the one person's interpreting, the other interpreter is there as backup in case the first interpreter can't hear something, can't see what's behind them on the projector screen. That second interpreter feeds whatever information they need so that everything goes very seamlessly. Do you guys struggle um, with any t of keeping up with, uh, like, let's say a very fast talker. I mean, like, is, is that an issue where, you know, you just kind of have to plow through it? Or, I mean, are you guys trained to just kind of skip a word or two or kind of, uh, <laughs> how does that work? Um, I think that if someone is reading something, they tend to go a lot faster than if it's just, um, extemporaneous speech um, at least that's what at least that's what I've noticed and that is the that is a difficulty and oftentimes we'll be in situations if a person is going too fast where we can stop them and say do you mind to slow down just a little bit um, and then of course you sometimes have the opposite where people think that you're you're um, interpreting word for word so they'll go very slow which also is very difficult because uh, it, it, you know, we, we don't typically speak like that. So it doesn't look very natural to do word for word for word. Sure. Uh, Rebecca, were you going to say anything? Oh, um, no, just that's part of our, our role as well is to make sure that the communication happens as seamlessly as possible. And so if we have, sometimes the deaf people get pretty worked up about something if they're anxious or mad or angry, they can sign very fast. And that's our role. We have to try to c control the situation enough so that we can make the communication successful. And so sometimes I've had to tell deaf people, okay, hang on just a second. And I get all that out that they just signed to me out in English. And then I say, okay, now let's pick back up again. And so that's kind of our role to help mediate that communication to make sure it's successful. I think it I think it's situations where we um, are not, uh, you know, one-on-one -on -one kind of situations where I have one hearing person and one deaf person, where maybe we're uh, signing for a graduation or we're signing for an, an entertainment event, all kinds of things. 
can happen and go wrong and, and happen like that all the time. Um, and so a lot of times you do just have to make do. Um, I, I remember being in one situation where I was, um, I was interpreting at a university and they had brought in a speaker who had some very specific issues. And I was standing beside the speaker and the speaker turned to me and said, you're very distracting. Would you mind moving back? And so I moved back and, but I moved back so far that I couldn't hear the speaker because they're, they're going, you know, they're sending everything out front. And so um, that was very difficult to be able then to, okay, now I, I don't want to distract them, but I need to be able to communicate. I need to be able to send communication. So then how do I reposition myself so that I'm not distracting them, but I'm, I'm still communicating for the person that needs, needs the sign language. <laughs> Uh, so that was a little bit of a tricky situation. And we've had other situations where people have asked us, um, uh, one theater from Branson called, and they uh, wanted us to come and interpret their show. And they were gonna put the interpreter in the seat in front of the deaf person. And so we said, well, how is that gonna work? Because we're both facing the audience. <laughs> Is the interpreter going to turn around in their chair? <laughs> so, uh, you know, there's a lot of education that, that has to go on, I think, on, on for both sides. Mm -hmm. Sure. Definitely. Um, what about physically? I mean, do you guys have to worry about, like, I don't know, carpal tunnel or, or anything like that? Uh, uh, or, I mean, just being uh, stressed, I mean, after two hours, surely, of just, just moving and, and, and everything, that, that's got to be, uh, it's got to take a little bit of a toll to, on your bodies. Definitely. I know several interpreters that will go and get massages at least once a month because typically we hold a lot of that in our neck and shoulder area and your arms also do get very tired. Um, and it just depends. Uh, we do a lot of standing as well. Uh, typically for any doctor's appointments, uh, we don't wait in the room with the patients unless there's a provider in the room. So otherwise we're standing out in the hall waiting for the doctor. So there's a lot of standing involved. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's kind of the physical. Gotcha. We we confuse a lot of people. We confuse a lot of people at times when we're standing in the hall, waiting to go in, you know, doctors and nurses want us to be sitting in the room. Don't you sit in the room and talk to the person. Um, you know, we get, are you their friend? Are you their mother? Are you their sister? Wife, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who's paying you to be here? Um, those kinds of, we get a lot of those kinds of questions and we have to be able to be, um, you know, very good at navigating between the two cultures. Mm -hmm. Sure. Um, can you, t uh, talk a little bit about, uh, I suppose the difference between doing a press conference and then going and interpreting for like a concert? <laughs> uh, well, the press conference, it's very stressful, right? Because you have the whole world watching. Um, and I think it, it's stressful for some people because they will probably get critiqued or there will be 
um, comments. I've seen them even with the, the press conferences recently where just folks are putting on the Facebook feed, you know, what is that weird person making gang signs and, you know, those types of comments. And so you have to be pretty thick skinned for some of that or, oh, they made a mistake. But yes, when you're doing something that high profile and that important to people, this is people's lives that we're talking about. We're trying to get out public information to help them be safe. Um, it's very stressful. It's also um, documented forever. Right. So any mistake you've made, um, and you know, you know how people, you're very self-critical anyway. And so it, it's easier when you know that that's gonna be out there on the internet forever. <laughs> and when you go to a, interpret for a concert or a branch and show, at least some of those, typically most of the time, we've spent hours ahead of time preparing for that. Mm -hmm. You know which songs they'll be singing. You can actually memorize them probably if you have enough time to listen to it over and over and over and come up with how you're going to interpret that particular piece. But with the press conference, it's off the cuff. We typically don't get any information or very little information ahead of time because those things are changing every minute. Sure. Concerts, concerts and theater are very fun for a lot of interpreters. Um, and some, some interpreters don't wanna do them, but it's, it's an opportunity to really become theatrical yourself as an interpreter. Um, because communication is so important, the, the uh, expression of the emotion. And so you can, you can be very, very creative when you're doing concerts. You've probably seen some, you know, on Facebook that are out there of interpreters that are really getting into the song and, um, you know, even dancing on stage. Yeah, absolutely. I've, I've seen um, a video of these two girls uh, interpreting for... Um, I believe it was Queen's Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. And they're just they're just rocking out and then whenever Freddie Mercury is singing they go back to it and then they're yeah. rocking out again. It's very entertaining to watch. Of course it you know you wouldn't that wouldn't necessarily be something appropriate at the doctor's office, you know. <laughs> right. You know, that's going to be a little more um, you know, professional and and more serious, but uh, that's why you can have a lot more fun in those kind of situations, let your hair down a little bit. Sure. Uh, so obviously we are speaking to each other through Zoom mm -hmm. and uh, this is due to, uh, you know, obviously we're here in the middle of a pandemic. Um, how has the coronavirus uh, affected uh, you both and your company? Well, typically interpreting services are provided on site um, with an on-site interpreter, and that has changed dramatically for our business. Uh, as you uh, probably are very aware, many things, people are working from home, they're doing everything via Zoom, the schools are closed, so everyone's working remotely pretty much. Um, and so that has shifted some of how we provide services. For some consumers that is effective, but for, but for others it's not. Uh, we have folks that may have any, any type of visual impairment um, makes the Zoom or the, the video remote interpreting more difficult. Or if you have um, processing disorders or delays, that makes it more difficult to not have an in-person uh, interpreter. And so uh, it has changed, it's been challenging, and we're definitely uh, doing our best to get through this. 
we are we were able to switch a, a number of our college students that we've been interpreting for from in-class interpreting to interpreting on zoom and we i know that even the instructors are struggling with uh, that as well and so we're, we're not the only ones but in in some of the situations we are providing uh, the communication while the instructor is is um, lecturing and in other situations we're watching and interpreting the lecture and, uh, and filming you know filming the interpreter doing the communication for the lecture and then sending it to the person later so it, it just kind of depends on on um, what works for any given any given person in any given situation uh, in-person interpreting is always better Gotcha. Okay, well, um, I think uh, we are just about out of time. So thank you so much uh, for, for talking with us. Um, is there anything else, else you guys want to say uh, to all of your fans out there? <laughs> well, thank you so much for having us. We really appreciate the opportunity to share what we do and what we provide uh, for the area. So thank you. You can always check us out on our website. It is www.aslmo.com. And it's also where you could request an interpreter or contact us about getting more information about what we do. We're always, we're always happy to share. All right, well, thank you guys. Uh, for Cindy Lear and Rebecca Blitch, I'm Tony Wynn. Thank you so much. Thanks, Tony. Bye.